Hello, and welcome to the Clearfort Community Church Podcast. Our hope with this podcast is that you would be encouraged by the weekly teaching from God's Word, not just on Sunday mornings, but every day of the week. To learn more about Clearfort Community Church, go to clearfortchurch.org or follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Clearfort Church. Now, let's jump into this week's message. Well, good morning. How are we? All of you uh, from the north, anybody from the north where it's cold, would you raise your hand? Okay, you're all laughing at us Texans down here. It's like 20 degrees and everybody's like, oh, freaking out. So I'm not going to be able to do all the things. They played a football game in negative seven degrees. We can come to church on 20 degree, right? We're glad you're here. And, uh, you know, the adventure that we're on, you know, that, that, uh, that lead-in video, all those things. Some of you maybe do some of those things. There's a lot of fun things that we can do uh, in this life, the adventure that we're on. But there's a greater adventure that may include some of those things. But, man, is an underlying, underpending uh, peace in our life that gives us peace and joy on the journey of life. And that's what we're talking about this morning. We, uh, we had a great new members class this morning. If you were new members, just wave your hand. Wave your hand. Don't be ashamed. All right, good there. Everybody like us? Okay. Give them a big round of applause. We're praying for them and uh, pray that God would lead you here. But uh, if we just trust that God's in control of your life, we'd love to have you. But uh, So I had a great new members class and we started this journey series last week. And we started with this Jeremiah 6.16. If you'd look at that, it'd be on the screen, but also on your page there. Jeremiah, 600 years before Christ, said, This is what the Lord says. Stand at the crossroads and look. Ask for the ancient paths and ask where the good way is and then walk in it. And you will find what? Rest for your souls. Not just physical rest, but a rest for your souls. Even though you're going through life, that there's a peace, there's a rest in your soul. And then Jesus picks that up. In Matthew chapter 11, 600 years later, and he quotes basically the same thing, but he says, I am the path. I am the ancient path. He says, come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden. Are you, are you laboring this morning? Are you heavy laden? He says, come to me and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and I am humble in heart, and you will find what? Rest for your soul. He used the exact same frame, re, uh, phrase, rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. So we started that last week and we talked about standing at the crossroads, standing and looking, considering your life, taking some time. Did you take some time this week just to consider your life, to step back from the busyness of life and go, hey, where am I? What is my life about? Where are we as a family? Where are we as friendships, as a, as a group? Did you stand back and stand still? You've got to build that into your life. And listen, this isn't just preaching. This is, hey, there's got to be a time in your life where you stand still and go, God, what do you have for me? And you listen. Stand still, stand at the crossroads and look and ask for the good way. Ask God, hey, where do you want me to go? What is the good way in this situation? What is the path? And Jesus is saying, I am the way. But it's practically speaking, God, how do you want me to progress in this direction? And so we said three ways to do that. Number one is in the word of God. God, what have you already laid down in your word that's going to give me direction on my path? And then the second way is the spirit of God. The spirit of God, the Holy Spirit, it's nothing, something weird. The spirit of God will speak to you. 
He'll speak to you through the Word of God. He'll speak to you through your circumstances. He'll speak to you through the third way is through the people of God. The people of God coming around you and you talking to them and people who have maybe been down the path before you and you ask them, hey, what do you guys think? What do you ladies think about this path? Seek the first one first, the Word of God and the Spirit of God. The Word of God and the Spirit of God are always going to agree with one another. And then you seek the counsel of the people of God. And you ask for the good way. And then thirdly, you've got to walk in it, right? And we said, hey, there's a radical difference between asking for the good way. I can ask for the good way all I want to. And then God reveals the good way. And then I say, hey, but I don't want to do that. Thank you, but no thank you. No, this is the good way, but thank you. I don't want to do that. Ask for the good way, and then when you know the good way, and we know it. A lot of times we know it internally. That's what God's called me to do. I don't want to do that, but okay, as you've said, as, because of your word, Peter said, I will do it. And then we looked at Peter as kind of the, the typical story. Again, a man who lived 2,000 years ago that struggles with the same things that you and I struggle with. And we're going to look at another one this morning who struggles with the same thing that we struggle with. So take the card that was on your, on your seat. That's the pathway that we're going to be looking at. Okay, and so you'll notice that the beginning, at the very center of that card is the gospel. The gospel is the foundation. I told the group in our new members class this morning, that is the foundation of our Christian faith. That is everything, and you build everything about on that. And so the gospel doesn't just pertain to you when you first come to know Christ, it is what you live through the rest of the journey. So beginning with the gospel, and the journey starts, as we'll see this morning, with professing a faith in Christ. Peter did that last week. He said, hey, Lord, and then Jesus said, come follow me, and I'll make you fishers of men. And it says he pulled his boats up on the shore, and he followed Jesus. He committed his life to him. He put his faith in Christ. So professing a belief in Christ is the beginning of the journey. So, but that's only the beginning. We're called to grow. Hebrews 5, 12 says, For though by this time you ought to be teachers. And the writer of Hebrews is writing to the people and he says, By this time you've been a believer for a while and you should be teaching others, but you're not teaching others. You, you still need baby milk. You still need milk. You're not taking on solid foods yet, and you need to continue to mature in your faith. And so as a church, we want to encourage you in that. And so there's three things we're going to ask of you this morning. So some of you here, you say, hey, I've never even started the journey. I'm here with a friend, or I'm here because I, I just wanted to come to church. I've never really started the journey with Christ. We want to invite you, okay? We want to invite you on the journey. Others of you here this morning, you say, hey, I've started that journey. I've accepted Christ. I've made a profession of faith. Maybe you've even followed him in baptism, but you're like, hey, what next? What do I do now? And we want to encourage you to take more steps, take more ground in your relationship with Christ. And then the third thing is, if you've been a believer for a while, we want you to turn back around and help somebody else, disciple someone else, bringing up other healthy disciples. So that's what we're asking. That's the journey they were on, and every person in here, listen, every person in here, if God can use Peter, a fisherman, who was really jacked up in a lot of ways, right? If you read the Gospels, you're like, man, this Peter guy, he is jacked up. And yet, God used him in a tremendous way. He used Paul, the Apostle Paul, who was a persecutor of Christians, was killing Christians, turned back around, and he became one of the greatest leaders in the history of the world. And so, God can use every person in this room to
to do his work and, and bring fulfillment in that. So let's pray together, and then we're going to read the scripture, and we'll walk through, again, someone who lived 2,000 years ago, and you're going to see the same struggle in Nicodemus that maybe you have had or you currently are having in life. So let's pray together. Father, our purpose, why we're here this morning is to worship you, to say you're worthy uh, with our verbal singing or following along with the words and just saying you're worthy and also opening up your word and allowing you to speak to us. That's our purpose. I want you to hear from God, not from me, but that you would hear from his word. So would you just pray that right now? Just open up your heart and say, God, if you've got something for me, I want to, to hear it. In Jesus' name, amen. So this morning, we're going to have a portion of this scripture is probably the most famous verse in all of scripture, right? All the other scriptures are like envious of John 3.16 because John 3.16 gets all the airplay, right? If you're watching college game day and you're watching, there's always some nut out there with John 3.16 holding up this sign in the back, right? Or on the road, or you just hear John 3.16, maybe the old Billy Graham, you must be born again. But John 3.16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believes in him would not perish, but have everlasting life. That is the gospel in a nutshell. And so we'll be, be reading that. But as we read this scripture, I want you to see Nicodemus. Sometimes we, we know that verse, or we know verses in the Bible, but we don't know the context of that verse, right? John 3.16 is not just kind of plucked out. It is Jesus talking to a man named Nicodemus. And he is talking to one individual. He's looking one man in the eye, and he says, Nicodemus, God so loved the world that he gave his only son. He gave me. I am here because God loves the world. He loves you. That if you believe in him, you won't perish. That you're not going to die. That you're going to live forever. And he's speaking to one man. So let's read John chapter 3, 1 through 21. So it's a long passage. But it's worth, it's worth the read. Now there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. So notice the kind of man it is. He is a Pharisee named Nicodemus, ruler of the Jews. This man came to Jesus by night. When did he come to Jesus? By night. He came to him at night. I think that's significant. We'll see that in a minute. And he said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher that came from God, that has come from God, for no one can do the things, the signs that you do, unless God is with him. Jesus answered him, truly, truly, when you see truly, truly, it's Jesus going, hey, listen up. This is really important. Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus said to him, how can a man be born when he's old? Can he enter a second time into the mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered him, truly, truly, notice, again, emphasize, I say to you, unless one is born of, the wa of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Do not marvel that I say to you, you must be born again. The wind blows where it wishes, and you hear it sound, but you do not know where it comes from or where it goes. So it is with everyone born of the Spirit. Nicodemus said to him, how can these things be? Jesus answered him, are you 
the teacher, notice, the teacher of Israel, yet you don't understand these things? You're the teacher of Israel, and yet you don't understand these things? Third time, truly, truly, I say to you, we speak of what we know and bear witness to what we have seen, but you do not receive our testimony. If I had told you earthly things and you do not believe, how can you believe if I tell you heavenly things? No one has ascended into heaven except that he is descended from heaven. Uh, the one who is descended from heaven, the Son of Man. And as Moses lifted up, on the, uh, up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever believes in him may have eternal life. For God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. For God, notice this, God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world. That wasn't the purpose of why Jesus came He didn't come to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe is condemned already, because he's not believed in the name of the one and only Son of God. When did did, uh, Nicodemus come to Jesus? Came to him at night. So notice this. And this is the judgment. The light has come into the world, and people love the darkness rather than the light, because their works were evil. For everyone who does wicked uh, things hates the light and does not come to the light, lest his works be exposed. But whoever does what is true comes to the light, so that it may be clearly seen that his works have been carried out in God. So, you know, I've I've told the numerous class this morning, uh, pastors, and I've, I've heard this many times, people in uh, in church, maybe sharing their story, sharing their faith journey, and they'll say something like this, hey, I grew up in church, and I was there a lot, and I never heard the gospel. I don't know where I missed it, or maybe my church didn't teach it, but I grew up, I was there a lot, and I never heard the gospel. You will not be able to say that because you are here this morning. I want you to know that you are going to hear the gospel this morning. You're going to be able to say, hey, I heard the gospel at my church. So I want to look with you at Nicodemus. First of all, Nicodemus is curiously hungry about the truth. Look at verses 1 and 2. Now there was a man, the Pharisees, named Nicodemus. Okay, So who is this Nicodemus character, right? Nick, uh, Nicodemus, the, the, the name means Nike. Okay, You know what that means, right? Victory. Nike, the shoes, victory, and his la- the, the latter part of his name is Demas, victory to the people. He was one of 6,000 Pharisees. So there were about 6,000 Pharisees in the world, religious rulers of the day, the Jewish religious group, about 6,000 of those. So he's already an elitist in his religious practice. But not only that, he was a part of the Sanhedrin, which was another smaller group of 70, which would be basically like our Supreme Court, okay, for the Jews, their Supreme Court. So he was a man who was wealthy. He was a man who was powerful. He was a man who was well-connected. He had everything that he needed in life, and yet he's curiously hungry in life. Have you ever been there? You ever been where you're like, man, I've got everything I want, everything I need, and yet there's something missing in my life? And that's where Nicodemus was. Again, he had religion. He had wealth. He had power. He had uh, prestige with his friends and coworkers and everything else. 
He was the teacher, so Jesus addresses him, you are the teacher of Israel. So not only was he a part of the Sanhedrin, but most people in Israel looked to him as one of the, the greatest teachers and the teacher of Israel. And so he's the elite of the elite. And yet he comes to Jesus at night, right? Kind of undercover a little bit. Like, hey, we, we know you must be something different because no one could do the works that you're doing unless it came from God. But Man, there's something that's, that's different about you, and there's something that I need. And notice this, that, uh, that Nicodemus doesn't ask a question, does he? He doesn't come to Jesus and ask him a question, but it says Jesus answered him. What did he answer? He wasn't asking a question. But no, Jesus knew Nicodemus' heart. He knew why Nicodemus was there, and he just goes ahead and answers the question. Let's just you know, beat around the bush. Quit beating around the bush. Let's go straight to the, the truth here. Nicodemus, you need to be born again. You need to be born again. But Nicodemus comes to Jesus at night. He's curiously hungry, hungry for that ancient path, for the good way. And Jesus basically says, hey, you're the teacher of Israel. You should know the ancient path. You should know the Messiah was coming. You should recognize. And, and so that's why Nicodemus, he's, he's curious about Jesus, but he hasn't fully accepted him. John Mayer has a, a song called Something's Missing. If Nicodemus were living today, he could have written this song. Let me read a few of the lyrics. This is John Mayer. I don't know if this is his personal heart, but then he wrote some powerful words. He said, I'm not alone, but I wish I was, because then I'd know I was down because I couldn't find a friend around. So I wish I was alone, but I've got all my friends around me, and I, I wish I didn't because then I could blame it on something. To love me like they do right now, they do right now. I'm dizzy from the shopping mall. I searched for joy, and I bought it all. It doesn't help the hunger pains and a thirst I'd have to drown first if ever satiate. Something's missing, and I don't know how to fix it. Something's missing, and I don't know what it is. No, I don't know what it is at all. He goes on to say, friends, check. Money, check. A well-slept, check. Opposite sex, check. Guitar, check. Microphone, check. Messages waiting on me when I come home, check. I can check every box, but there's something missing deep in my heart. Nicodemus is talking about this, again, 2,000 years ago. You think this is something common to men and women? Do you think it's something common to men and women now? Maybe you're here this morning, and you're saying, man, I've got it all. I, man, I, there's some things out there, but basically I've got everything I need, and yet there's something missing inside of me. I'm curious about what that is. You know what? Also, you've got neighbors, and you've got friends, and you've got coworkers who are curiously hungry about what's missing in their lives. And you and I, if you know Christ, you have the answer to that curiosity. And we as the church are called to say, hey, let me share with you what that is. Let me share with you about that hunger in your life. So Nicodemus is curiously hungry for something. Uh, Tim Keller, as I was studying for this, he shared about a woman in his church that said, hey, pastor, I've had five identities in my life. Said, what do you mean five identities? You know, personality, what are you talking about? Five identities. He said, no, when I grew up in a very religious home, in a very strict religious home, and man, I found my identity 
in being a good girl. I find my identity in being religious. I found my identity in going to church and doing the right thing. And, and I, I found my identity there. But then I started growing up. I became a teenager, got out of the home. And then I started looking to men. And I got involved with romantic love. And, and that's where I found my identity. As long as someone loved me, as, as long as some man was showing me attention, I found my identity there. And then that wasn't good enough. And so a friend of mine came and said, hey, man, you need to forget the whole man stuff and the whole religion stuff. You need to move on. You need to be a career woman. You need to find a career and start crushing it in your career. And she said, I did that. I went back to school. I got an education, got a great job. I was crushing it in my job. And she said, when, when things would go wrong in my job, I was just crushed. I was, I was so disoriented when things would go wrong in my work, and I still had something missing. So another friend came into me and said, hey, you know, you're working too much. You're working all the time. You've given yourself over to this job. What you need to do is start serving other people. You need to go feed the homeless. You need to do some things in the prison. You need to love on people, and you need to get outside yourself. And she said, I started doing all of those religious things again, all those good works again, and she said, that just left me exhausted. And then I came to understand the gospel. I really came to understand that I wasn't made right in my relationship with God through religious rules and being the good girl. I wasn't made right with God because I was doing all these good things that I was made right with God because of what Jesus Christ did for me on the cross. That he came, he died, he was buried, and on the third day he rose again for my sins. He's the only perfect man, the only man who has given himself over to die on our behalf. And so when I came to understand the gospel, it set me free from all those other identities. And now I find my identity only in Christ, only in the gospel. And then that set me free to do so many of the other things that I was doing in all of those other identities. Now I could do them with a peace and there was rest for my soul. There was rest for my soul. See, that's where Nicodemus is. That's where he is in this story. And so he's curiously hungry for the truth, but he's confused by grace. Look with me in verses 3 and following. He says, Jesus answered him, truly, truly, unless you're born again, you cannot see the kingdom of God. So that's pretty serious, right? Truly, truly. Hey, listen, unless you're born again, unless you're born from above, you cannot see the kingdom of God. And Nicodemus said to him, how can a man be born when he's old? I don't understand what you're talking about, Jesus. Can a man... Go back into his mother's womb. I think he's being facetious. I think he's kind of toying with Jesus a little bit here. Can a man go back into his mother's womb? What are you talking about? This crazy talk. And Jesus goes back. You must be born again. Flesh gives birth to flesh, and spirit gives birth to spirit. So here's what Jesus is saying. What did you have to do with your birth? How much did you have to do? How much work did you have to put in to be born? You personally. Like, what'd you do? Do you remember it? Do you remember all the things that you had to put in order in the womb? Like, hey, I've got to go all these things. Okay, it's about time. I'm ready. Okay, I'm, I'm coming out. And you worked really hard at it, right? No, somebody worked really hard on your behalf to give birth for you. Can I hear an amen from the ladies in the room? Amen, that's right. Somebody worked really hard on your behalf for you to be born. And that's what Jesus is saying. By grace are you saved. 
through faith, and this not of yourselves, it's a gift of God. That's Ephesians 2, 8, 9. Paul just reemphasizes what Jesus is saying. For by grace are you saved. How are you saved? Because you work really hard, because you come to church, because you do all the right things, because you've got everything in order, or because someone else pursued you. Someone else worked really hard on your behalf, meaning Jesus who went to the cross and gave his life on your behalf so that when you believe in him, when you trust in him, that's when you are, quote, born again. Isn't that good news? Because listen, if you had, if it was dependent on you and all that you could do to make yourself worthy for God to save you, how would you ever know if you ever got there, right? Have I done enough? Have I been to church enough? Have I done enough good things? Have I treated my wife right or my husband right? Have I been a good friend to my friend group? Have I done all the things that I need to do? What does God require? You'd never know. And if you could get to heaven by doing good works, again, how many good works would you have to do? And if you could get to heaven, if you could have a right relationship with God by doing good works, then what is the whole Jesus story about? What did he have to come? We just like, hey, God, thank you for Jesus, but I'm going to do it on my own. I can, I can be good enough. And Jesus is saying, unless you're born again, you cannot see the kingdom of heaven. So it's by grace. Again, Paul echoes that, for by grace are you saved. For by grace. And that's what, Paul, that's what Jesus is saying here to Nicodemus. Nicodemus, you've got to be born again. And that's by the Spirit of God. You can't do anything to do that. You simply have to believe. So he's confused about grace, but next he's invited into faith. So for by grace are you saved. It's by God's grace that he gave you everything you need to be born, right? To be born again. He gave you everything. It's by his grace. And all you have to do is look. All you have to do is turn to him. All you have to do is put your faith in him. And so John 3, 16, for God so loved the world, Nicodemus, he gave his only son, whosoever believes. That's where faith comes in. It's not a work. It's not something you can do. It's simply turning to him and saying, I trust in what Jesus did for me on the cross. So he says to Nicodemus, whosoever, right? Whosoever. So Nicodemus... You can imagine he's kind of put back by this a little bit. Like, hey, hold on a minute. I'm one of 6,000 Pharisees. I've worked myself up the ladder. Not only that, I'm one of 70 that are in the Sanhedrin. I've worked really hard to get here. I've studied the scriptures. I know the scriptures. I've I've fulfilled the scriptures. I've walked in in, in religious uh, purity all these years, and that doesn't get me anywhere. No, Nicodemus, you've you've got to be born again. And Jesus says, hey, you're one of the teachers of Israel, and you you don't get this because we were always saved by grace. Even the Old Testament, they were saved by grace. They were saved by the grace of God. And that's where he picks up out of Numbers uh, chapter 21 about the bronze serpent. And he says, just like the bronze serpent was lifted up in the Old Testament, was a time when the Israelites were, they were uh, living in a plague and they were been bitten and they were plagued. And, and, and Moses, God tells Moses to put a serpent. Don't ask me why. Don't ask me why this is why that they did this. But he said, raise up the serpent and anyone who looks to that serpent will 
be healed. And so that's what Jesus is referring to in the same way that the serpent was lifted up. And notice that is the, the uh, symbol of the medical profession. If you look at that, the old medical profession is a, a serpent on a, a rod. Okay, And so Jesus is saying in the same way Moses did that in the Old Testament, Jesus is going to be lifted up on a cross and anyone who looks to him, anyone who simply turns their head to Jesus in faith will be saved. And so he's invited to faith. He says, whosoever believes in me should not perish. And so it's whosoever. So down in South Georgia, uh, Krista, my wife, grew up in a small town in South Georgia. In, in South Georgia, in small towns, any of you that grew up in the small towns, you know kind of small town politics, right? You know kind of how it works, right? It, it, you got to please everybody. And her, her dad was a pharmacist in town. And so he's a businessman in town. And so the wedding was going to be in this small town. And so so not to offend anyone, they send an invitation, or the invitation went out. I don't think we sent out invitations, but the invitation was out there. Anyone who wants to come is invited. All 6,000 people in this small town, you're all invited to the wedding. You know who came? The people who loved us, right? The people who knew us. All of you are invited. Everybody's invited to come, but only those who loved us and quote, had faith in us, those are the ones who showed up. We had a full house, we had a full church, and, but the whole town didn't show up for the wedding. That's why you know, you can invite everybody you want to, but the only people who are coming is those who love you and have put your faith in you, so to speak, right? In the same way, Jesus says, hey, everybody is invited. God loved the whole world. Everybody is invited, but only a few really Look to him. Only a few find that, that narrow road. It's open to everyone, not just Americans, not just Western civilization, not just to white or black or Hispanic, not just to a certain group, not to the wealthy or not just to the poor. The gospel is available to whosoever believes in him. All right? So whosoever and then believes. The gospel is available to all, but actualized by those who believe and put their trust in Christ. So he's confused by grace. He's invited to faith. Jesus says, hey, come, come follow me. And if you believe, then you'll have eternal life. But the, the last thing is he's called to repentance in verses 19 through 21. This is in the fruits of, so some of you are going, hey, if I'm saved and I don't have to do anything about it, I can't do anything to earn my salvation, then I can come to know Christ and do whatever I want to do and, 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 and then just get away with it, right? Some people have asked that question. No, God asked us to repent, to turn back to him and to come into the light. So look at verses 19 and following. And this is the judgment. The light has come into the world and people love the darkness rather than the light. So Nicodemus going, Jesus knows, Nicodemus, you're coming to me in the dark. You're coming to me in the cover of night because there's things that you don't want other people to see you associated with me potentially, or there's things in your life that you know in the light. So he's calling Nicodemus out. He knows Nicodemus. He knows his innermost being, right? He knit him together in his mother's womb. He knows Nicodemus, and he's like, Nicodemus, you've got you've to come out of that stuff. Come out of the darkness and come into the wonderful light. And so, verse 21, but whoever does what is true, anyone who does what is true, comes into the light that it may be clearly seen that his works have been carried out in God. Good things grow in the light, right? 
good thing. If you've got a vegetable garden, if you want to grow something, man, you've got to get it out in the Texas sun. Maybe not too much sun, but you've got to have enough light where you grow things, and good things grow in the light. Not so good things grow in the darkness. Mold and mildew and all kind of crazy stuff grows in the darkness. If you want to have good things growing in your life, he says, come out of the darkness in keeping with repentance and come into the wonderful light. The last thing is that Nicodemus is transformed by the gospel. Look with me in John 19. It's also going to be on the screen here. John chapter 19. So Nicodemus um, doesn't say that he makes any decision to follow Christ here. We don't know the rest of the story based on John chapter 3, right? He just talks to Jesus and then it kind of ends. Like, I guess Nicodemus kind of heard him, maybe slunked away, just kind of, you know, just kind of went back to his home. But I think he's seeing all that Jesus is, all that's happening to Jesus. And he sees Jesus on trial. He sees the crucifixion. He sees all that's going on. And something over that period of time between John chapter 3 and John chapter 19, I believe Nicodemus put his faith in Christ. I can't know that for sure, but based on his behavior, we see the fruits of repentance. We see him coming into the marvelous light. So John chapter 19, later, Joseph of Arimathea asked Pilate for the body of Jesus. Now, Joseph was a disciple of Jesus, but secretly because he feared the Jewish leaders. With Pilate's permission, so Joseph of Arimathea comes out of the darkness into the wonderful light. But with Pilate's permission, he came and took the body away, took, taken Jesus' body away. He was accompanied by who? Nicodemus. The man, notice this, it's interesting, like he, he was pegged here. The man who earlier had visited Jesus at night. Nicodemus brought a mixture of myrrh and aloes, about 75 pounds Taking Jesus' body, the two of them wrapped it with the spices in strips of linen. And so Nicodemus comes back around, and he sees all that's happened to Jesus. And I think, again, he put his faith in Christ somewhere between John 3 and John 19. And he identifies openly with the dead body of Jesus. And he doesn't care. He doesn't care that he's the, the teacher in Israel. He doesn't care that he's a Pharisee. He doesn't care that he's one of the Sanhedrin. He doesn't care about all that religious stuff anymore. He's like, I just want Jesus. I just want what this man was talking about. I was hungry and now I'm satisfied. And he wants to identify himself with that. And he brings 75 pounds of spices. The average person would be about five pounds of spices. Nicodemus brings 15 times that to anoint the body of Jesus, prepare it for burial. You know how much that would be worth in modern day? Between $100,000 and $150,000 worth of spices and all the preparation for Jesus' death. Nicodemus just says, I want it all. I just want to give it all. I pray that if you're here this morning and, and you've been curious, Maybe you've known, hey, something just is missing. You would be like John Mary. You'd be like Nicodemus. You'd say, man, I've done all the religious things, but something's missing. I don't really think I've understood the gospel. I've never put my faith in Christ. I want to invite you. That is the trailhead. That is the beginning 
of the journey together is professing faith in Christ. I want to invite you to do that, okay? And we'll pray in just a moment. Maybe you're here and you're saying, hey, yes, I, I understand the gospel. I put my faith in the gospel at one time, but I'm not living the gospel on a daily basis. I'm not living that out in my life, and I want to understand the gospel and how it transforms everything. It transforms all my relationships, that I don't have to find my identity in anything else but Jesus himself, and he gives me my identity so I can find what? Rest for my soul. That's what I would ask for you this morning. So let's pray together, and then I want to outline a few other things. Father, we, we just bow before you. And God, just like Nicodemus, we've all lived with this hole in our heart, that this God-shaped void, as people have put it, and, and it can't be filled by anything else. And we've tried. We've tried to put other things there. We've tried to find joy in other places. But we just admit this morning, we can't find it anywhere else. If you're here this morning and you've never put your faith in Christ, I just want to invite you to do that right now, if you would. If you just, it, these are simple words. It's not about the words. It's not some kind of formula. It's just your heart saying to God, God, I... I come to you, I realize that I'm a sinner. I realize that I've rebelled against you. I realize I've gone my own way and done my own thing. And I need you. I, I, I can't fill my heart with anything else. But I need you. I confess that my sin and I want to turn and repent and come into your wonderful light. I realize I can't do anything to earn it. I don't deserve it, but you've graciously offered it to me. And as Paul said, it's a gift of God. Would you take that gift right now? If you've never done that before, I do believe it's a, it's a time in your life where you turn your life over to Christ and you, you give him everything. If you've not done that before, would you do that right now? People have been asking that same question that you've been asking for thousands of years. Something's missing. What is it? It is Christ. Second thing I'd ask you, if you have accepted Christ, that you'd follow him in baptism, that you'd follow him in making that public. There are scriptures on the back of your sheet there. We're not going to go through them, but I want you to take a look at those. Every person in scripture, and Jesus himself was baptized and made it public, made a, a public profession saying, hey, I'm not ashamed. I'm not going to stay in the darkness and kind of follow Jesus secretly, but that I'm going to come into the light. And I'm going to make it known that I put my faith in Christ. Would you, would you make a commitment to, to make that public? It's an important part. It doesn't save you. But it's an important step of obedience in your Christian life. And so it's not something we made up. It's something we just do at this church. It's something Jesus did himself and every follower of Christ. 
um, was asked to do that throughout the scriptures. So would you make that commitment? Father, we, uh, we do dedicate this time to you. We thank you for your word. We thank you for this powerful scripture that you so love the world, that you came, you gave your life for us, that if we simply believe, if we simply turn to you, if we simply put our trust and faith in you, that you do a work in us, that we would be born again and live for all eternity with one another and with you. last thing if you're confused by that if you're like hey this first time I've heard this I want to I want to know more we want to be able to help you with that too so as we sing we're going to sing one final song and continue to do business for the Lord and then uh, then we'll close thanks so much for listening to the Clearfork Community Church Podcast for more information about our church head to clearforkchurch.org take heart Fort Worth he has overcome the world We hope to see you soon.